You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a late Thursday release on March 18th. My name is Lucas Smith, St. Louis Cardinals mega fan. Thanks for tuning in today and every day. And if you missed it, it's a, it's a late release because I went live on the Locker Room app tonight. Um, discuss um, Cardinal baseball, some some stuff that you guys have heard, but also just some extra thoughts on the news in the last couple of days of the Edmund leadoff hitter of KK Kim update and just some fun things, some fun interaction. Um, if you guys have uh, have a an iOS device, would highly recommend you uh, downloading the Locker Room app. I'll be doing that about once a week. Um, usually they will serve as the next day's episode, but just with how everything has, has worked out today, that's what happened today. So, um, and what I'm including as well, because that, that's just what today's episode is going to be. Tonight's episode is going to be. Um, this is not the entirety of my conversation. Um, so, if you want the entirety of the conversation, be sure to to tune in if you can. Uh, but this, this is part of my conversation on, on the Locker Room app um, with, with some fellow Locked On members as well as um, a couple of you guys uh, tuning in. So much appreciated, and I'll be sure to talk. I'll be talking to you guys tomorrow before the game um, on on Friday. So. Thanks for tuning in, and here is my first ever locker uh, locker room live um, part of uh, Locked On Podcast partnership with Locker Room. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, so we're going to start with kind of the, the big news of, of the day. I know that the Cardinals did get a win yesterday or today rather, um, but, but Tommy Edmund is going to slot in at the leadoff position that was announced formally by Mike Schilt, which, which is super exciting. I think that the leadoff position has been kind of one that is uh, that has been in question because the you know, Cardinals have been searching for it um, really since Matt Carpenter's fall of 2019, um, you know, because he had a really good 2018, right? And then 2019 and 2020, he has struggled, and they've still been looking for that leadoff spot. And especially with, with Colton Wong leaving to the Brewers, I think that, you know, that there, there's definitely been that hole there because Colton Wong filled that spot a little bit. But Tommy Edmond, I mean, let me know what you get, what you think. But I don't think he's done anything but hit this spring. He's done everything he needed to, um, to to get that starting spot. And, you know, when you talk about second base, you also got to wonder, okay, well, that, that sucks that Matt Carpenter uh, might not get a spot. But I'm not saying Carpenter should start over Edmond, but Carpenter's been a, a longtime Cardinal. Right, and he, I think he's got one hit this spring, maybe two, but, but I mean, not a lot of <laughs> hits this spring, right? Um, so Tom Yevon is definitely the the right choice at, at second base and leadoff spot. And I'll tell you what, if he can hit um, and get on base in front of guys like Goldschmidt, like Arenado, DeYoung, who had a home run today, finally getting going, which is good to see. Um, it, it all starts at the top, right? So if Tom Yevon is able to 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 get for some, if we're able to get some production rather from Tommy Edmond, then that's that lengthens this lineup immensely. It's huge. It's a big win for St. Louis um, if, if Edmond is able to produce and if he is able to, um, yeah, just able to produce. I'm not saying he has to hit 20, 25 home runs, especially from the leadoff spot, but you also are able to give guys days off if because Edmond is so versatile. That's another thing with, with Edmond is that he's, he's not going to be just sucked into second base and second base alone. You're going to have opportunities. To, if, if O'Neill needs a day off, you can put Edmond in the outfield and then maybe bat Matt Carpenter at second base. If on the rare occasion, Arnado and Goldschmidt need a day off, Edmond can slide, or not Goldschmidt, but Arnado can 
um, Edmund can slide over to, to third base. So you, you've got some versatility here with Tommy Edmund, and he, he's just an old-fashioned ball player, to be quite honest with you. And I think that he, he's one of those guys that, that just hits line drives, and it's been super fun to, to see him kind of grow and kind of prove a lot of doubters wrong this spring. Because in 2019, you know, he had the great year, um, came on, burst onto the scene as a rookie. And then last year, he, he did struggle. There, there's no denying that. But, you know, 2020 was, was such an odd year. And, you know, with the, this is your first time listening to me. If you listened to my podcast before, 2020, you, to me, you almost throw those numbers not completely out the window, but you take them with a grain of salt, right? Just because of how weird it was, especially when you're looking at the Cardinal standpoint of things, then you've got the... Um, you know, the, the extra COVID shutdown to worry about, that the 17-day layoff in between games in the middle of the season. And it, so the, the stats are what they are, especially with a guy like Jack Flaherty, looking at his numbers. And with, with the one bad start he had against Milwaukee, that escalated his numbers a lot, right? So that that's just another example of how these numbers in 2020, you know, aren't the end-all, be-all to me um, if, if you are – if you're looking at, at um, how to evaluate a player, I think that Tommy Evan has shown that he has the capability to hit the ball hard and hit the ball in gaps and to get on base. He's done that immensely well this spring, and he has done everything he, he can do to earn this starting position. There, there's no question. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, I just think that, that Edmund is the clear choice for, for the leadoff spot. And there was an interesting thing that was done recently it was yesterday or t- today i believe that um schilt slit and schilt slid in the uh, paul goldschmidt in the, in the two hole behind tommy edmund and there, there is some argument to this of, of making sure goldschmidt and arnado both get at bats in the first inning i know Derek gold gold brought up that point but kind of transitioning away from edmund here for a moment um i don't know if i like goldschmidt batting third uh, I just or batting second rather. I just think that if the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals made that trade to get a thumper in the lineup, right? That they made that trade to, um, to to have the power in the middle of the lineup. And yes, you can make the argument well, Goldschmidt and Arnado get on get at bats in the first inning, and you know I understand that logically, but I'd much rather have a more contact guy at second base. So then when Goldschmidt and Arnado get up in the first inning, it's with two or three runners on base instead of just one, right? Um, and you know to, to the uh, to the credit of Paul Goldschmidt hitting second. Tommy Evan got a single um, yesterday, and then Goldschmidt followed that up with with a home run. So, I, I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, it's not too far out of the question for, for this to, to happen. I don't think it's too crazy to have Paul Goldschmidt batting second. I just think that Goldschmidt, Arenado, it makes more sense when they bat third and fourth. Uh, I, I think that, you know, because then if you do move Goldschmidt up, and you bet Arenado third, assuming you know that that's where you hit Arenado behind Goldschmidt. Then who's your cleanup hitter? And yes, Tyler O'Neill has impressed a ton this spring, which you know I'll, I'll get into a little later on and everything like that. But I, I just think, um, as excited as I am about a Tyler O'Neill, maybe even Paul DeYoung if he's able to get going, um, I, I tend to trust Goldschmidt Arenado in three four more than I invite more than I trust. Um, Arenado and somebody else three four, um, just was with, with the, the the provenness of of Arenado um, a, a longer longer proof uh, more longevity to his career um, that, that's just timing but more more proven results than Arenado and the Cardinals in my mind have enough question marks in the outfield of who's going to perform who's not going to perform um, that that there's no reason to put more question marks in your lineup because I, I really do think that if you back Goldschmidt Arenado three four I think you, you have options at that two hole 
if Bader's able to, to hit and able to, to finally put things all together, he would be a great candidate for the second place position. Also, you've got a guy named Dylan Carlson <laughs> that I think would be a great fit there. I, I trust Arenado with, with his proven results more at the fourth position than I do anybody else um, hitting fourth. And, and one of those guys that, that I brought that I mentioned was Tyler O'Neill. And he, he has done nothing but hit this spring. And with, with all the question marks in the Cardinal outfield, you know, O'Neill has the capability to, to take away one of those question marks because the talent, I think, in all three of the guys, Carlson, Bader, and um, O'Neill, the, the talent is there. The capability is there for all of them. I just – they haven't had – in Carlson's case, they haven't had the time to put it all together. But in the other two's cases, they just haven't had consistent results to get the – they just haven't had consistent results, period. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, we've seen the, we've seen the results from O'Neill this spring. We have not seen the results from Bader this spring. He's been dealing with some injury. But even if, like I mentioned, if O'Neill is just able to take away one question mark in the outfield, um, I just think that, that that's a huge, huge bonus. Um, Aaron, Aaron Fackler, thanks for, for commenting. I believe the announcement that last name right says, I agree. Might give Carlson more pitches to hit as well if he bats in front of Goldie and Arenado. I think that, that that's really that's, that's super true. We, you don't know what you're going to get from Carlson. Um, as well. So if you put him in more of a meat spot of lineup, if you hit him fifth, then you also have the question mark of, okay, how many outs is he going to provide you early in the season? Because even as high as I am on Carlson, I would rather him get better pitches to hit up at the top of the lineup. Um, and then if you need need to slide him down to, to the six or seven to get him some some lesser leverage at bats, if you will. But I, I, I agree, Aaron. I think that Carlson makes more sense at the two hole and especially if O'Neill is able to keep up these these results, and no, he's not going to be able to hit 500 um, for the entire year. I think he's 12 of 24, 12 of 25, or something crazy like that, right? So obviously, he's not going to be able to keep that up for 162 games. I'm not that naive to, to think that he's going to be this hot the entire year, right? But at the same time, he, if he's able to, to, to hit more than, than 230 and to hit 25, 30 home runs, that's a win for me. And when you're talking about Tyler O'Neill, the type of player that he can be. Because I don't think O'Neill's ever going to be a, a 280, maybe not even a 275 hitter. And again, not that average is, is everything, but O'Neill's probably always going to be a 260 max hitter, 265 maybe. But he's got the capability of, uh, to hit 25, 30 plus home runs. And that's something that the Cardinal outfield has not seen for a while since. <laughs> Carlos Beltran probably was, is the most, most recent name in the outfield. Hayward, I know, had, had a decent year. I don't know if he had 25 home runs, though. So, I mean, anything more than 20 home runs from Tyler O'Neill, in my eyes, is a win. More of my locker room discussion coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head over to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is a unique and remarkably easy place to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Head over to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 
I remember tweeting out a lot of times last year of, of with the, the two Pauls that if the Cardinals have the, the two Pauls going, then the Cardinal offense is going to be fine. And I think that Paul DeYoung has a little bit less pressure on him now just because you, you do have Nolan Arenado, right? Um, the, the pressure is now on Goldie and Arenado, and that takes the pressure off of Paul DeYoung. But if the Cardinals are able to get both Pauls going, Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt, then that's huge because then you've probably got three guys that are, that are going to hit consistently. And just like Bader and O'Neill, the problem with, with uh, DeYoung has really been consistency. Um, and, I, and I just think that if DeYoung is able to, to get consistent and able to be a threat kind of later in the lineup, because I don't see him batting. He might bat second, but with, with the way O'Neill's hitting, I would really bat O'Neill's fifth and DeYoung's sixth. And if that's the case, and if you get production from that sixth spot in the lineup with Paul DeYoung and maybe bat Yachty seventh, this lineup is getting longer and longer the more that we, the more that I, anyways, project uh, success for these guys. And I know that not everybody's going to have this career year, but I just think that th- this Cardinal offense has the capability of being really good. And right now in the in the, in the spring training, they've had flashes of, of of excellence, if you will, but they're not going into the season as one of the highly touted offenses in the league. This Ryland Styles, host of Locked On Royals, uh, plug for another Locked On podcast. Uh, who are you most scared of in this division? Aaron, I agree. I think it's the Brewers. And Ryland, I also agree that it is the Cardinals to lose. I thought it was the Cardinals to lose before the Nolan Arenado trade. I really thought that the Reds got worse by losing Bauer, losing Iglesias, not upgrading at shortstop. I thought the Cubs got worse by trading away Yu Darvish um, and not really improving, you know, Jack Peterson a little bit, but they also lost Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, right? And I, I just think that the Brewers and the Cardinals are really probably the only teams that took steps forward because the Pirates, poor Pirates, are just the Pirates, right? But I think that the Brewers, in signing the ex-Cardinal, Colton Wong, signing Jackie Bradley Jr., which another Locked On host, Gabriel Starr, is very high on as well. Um, but, but signing those two guys really makes them pretty scary, to be quite honest. I just had a crossover with, with Jake Mastriani yesterday, who was the host of Locked On Brewers, and he was even higher on the pitching staff than I thought he was going to be. He mentioned a guy like Brendan Woodruff might be a Cy Young contender <laughs> if he's healthy, and that kind of took me by surprise because I – Whenever I think of Brandon Woodruff, I think of I think he had a home run in the 2018 NLCS against the Dodgers. That's about my only memory of Brandon Woodruff. But Jake is really high on the pitching staff. So when you go position by position, area by area, I think the Brewers match up really well with St. Louis. I, I just think that both teams have a strong bullpen. They have guys that can go multiple innings. They both have top-heavy starting rotations, but they also still have really good starting rotations. And offensively, it, it's almost flip-flopped. The Brewers have a really strong outfield, and Yelich, Kane, Bradley Jr., um, maybe Avisiel Garcia as well, possibly, uh, depending on how that, that fourth outfielder gets in a mix there, whereas the Cardinals might have a weaker outfield. They have the opportunity to be a really strong outfield, like I mentioned, but the Brewers have more results in the outfield. Because as much as I might like to, to wish this, Christian Yelich is not going to hit like he did last year again. Yelich is going to be back in the MVP conversation. So it's really, the, to me, you can argue that it's a four-team race, but I, I would probably closer to, to back it to a two-team race. Um, you know, obviously, not, nothing that, you know, not, not that the Cubs and Reds are going to be, you know, 100 lost teams by any stretch of the imagination. I really like the Reds' offense, especially in that ballpark. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to like an offense in that ballpark just because of how much of a shoebox that, <laughs> that ballpark is. Uh, I really like, you know, on paper, the Cubs still have Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Contreras. They still have the, the, the four horsemen, if you will. They still have Jason Hayward, who I think still had his best year in St. Louis. But, they, you know, the Cubs and Reds are still dangerous. 
Um, and this definitely is, in my mind, probably one of the closer divisions in terms of openness. But it, it's still – Cardinals and Brewers are, are still maybe not head and shoulders above the rest of the pack, but they're at least heads um, above, above the uh, above the rest of the, of the pack. So we got uh, somebody who wants to, to speak. Uh, so we'll go Ben Kaspik. I'll accept him here um, to bear with me as I try and, and work through this. Ben, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Awesome. How you doing, Ben? Hey, good. This is Ben from Locked On Giants, actually. Yes, yes. I the question I had is just a short one. How many wins do you think it's going to take to win the NL Central? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think um, there there are a lot of what ifs, and you know the the, the Pocota projections had um, all three. I think all, all five teams under 500 or some projections did. And I thought those projections were for lack of a better word, just crap. I don't think that um, all five NL Central teams are going to finish under 500. So I think that to win this division, it's probably going to take 85 to 88 games. Uh, I'm sorry. I forget if you asked how much or to win the division or how much the Cardinals are going to win. Um, but I think to win the division, it's going to take high to mid eighties. Um, and I think that the Cardinals have the capability of getting up to 93 has been my ceiling that I've talked about of, of their win projection. Um, I think that their ceiling is 93, somewhere around there. I don't think that this is a 95 win team. Um, I think that this is going to be a 90 win team. And especially my prediction is that they are going to win the NL Central. And I think that just with how, like I mentioned, the the weaker, the other weaker teams that didn't get stronger from last year, they I just think that they 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 didn't take the steps forward necess- the steps necessary forward to to be in this conversation as much as the Cardinals are. And Bet Online has their over and under. Last time I checked at eighty seven and a half. Um, and and for me, you could call it bias, but I'm comfortably taking the over on that. I think that the Cardinals, again, with with their pitching staff, I really think that's going to set them apart. Because the offense, you know what you're going to get from Goldschmidt, Arenado, and you got a bunch of question marks. But for me, as somebody who you know <laughs> covers the Cardinals, I am really high on their pitching staff. And I'm going to get back into that conversation just because, yes, you can have the argument of it's really top-heavy with Flaherty and nobody else. But the rotation is going to be solid, in my opinion. Jack Flaherty is working through some, some struggles right now. He gave up three home runs in a simulated game a couple days ago. He's not looking sharp. I understand that. But Adam Wainwright is looking like he's 28, pitching like he did back in 2012, or t- 2010, rather, before the Tommy Johns. He's looking really good. And then Carlos Martinez, yes, he's had a, a blow-up start and one decent start and a good start. And Carlos Martinez is a guy that has struggled to put it all together for a whole year. He is somebody that seems to get rattled easily. He is somebody that seems to just not be able to put it all together. And, you know, he's had some injury history post-2018, back and forth from the bullpen. Last year, he got lit up in every single one of his starts, two against the Minnesota Twins. But I just think that Martinez had a strong winter. He's got, he had a healthy winter, and he pitched in the, in the Dominican League, I, I believe. So I think he's going to be really strong. And like I mentioned, even with the injuries, worries right now of Miles Michaelis and of K.K. Kim, I really believe that the Cardinals have enough depth to, to pick up the slack of those two guys. John Gant, Daniel Ponce de Leon are the two guys that are probably going to step in and take those starting positions, um, at least for the first week or so. Michaelis is, is definitely not going to make the opening day roster um, just with how his injury has progressed. Meanwhile, KK Kamen was believed he wasn't going to. Meanwhile, he was able to play catch aggressively was, was the word that was used um, in the Cardinal media yesterday, um, which was a good sign. And so he might be progressing back quickly, but regardless, the depth is there. Because you go beyond those two guys, you've got the, the top pitching prospect in Matthew Libertor, who has impressed this spring a lot. 
And I'm not saying he, he's, he's going to vie for a starting rotation spot, but he's there if the Cardinals need him. I would not be surprised if he's a midseason call-up to the bullpen. And what I would be surprised if, if the Cardinals do lose a man due to injury, as every team struggles with injuries throughout the year, that Libertor is that guy called up to make the starts. You got, you've got a guy like Zach Thompson who, who can make some starts for you, another left-handed pitching prospect. Johan Oviedo was another prospect name. And then when you shift your, your focus to the bullpen, to me, the back end of this bullpen has the capability of being exceptionally strong. And with, with guys that have just electric stuff, Jordan Hicks, Alex Reyes, who I'm going to talk about in a, in a second, Genesis Cabrera, who made a really fun, exciting behind-the-back play today, not necessarily his talent on the mound from the pitching standpoint, but really good at filling his position today. Um, and Giovanni Gallegos, who has been closing for the last year and a half, um, season and a half, I guess, can't really call 2020 a whole year. But all four of those guys have prototypical closer lights out stuff. And with Jordan Hicks, for those of you who saw, I don't know what your reaction was to the 22 pitch at bat he had against uh, Guillermo, I believe was the guy's last name for New York. Not only was that a 22 pitch at bat, that was Jordan Hicks's first at first appearance of the spring, his first time facing opposing hitters since 2019, June of 2019, and he pitches 22 pitches to one batter and has to leave before he's able to record an out, which I think is just hilarious. Uh, he was able to pitch yesterday or today and and able to get through a couple hitters, which was nice to see. But um, but the goal for him is to be is to be the closer at some point. But with working back from Tommy John, and he opted out last year because he's a type 1 diabetic, I believe, type 1 or type 2. I think it's type 1. But opting out of last season, they're going to work him back slowly. So to start, it's going to be Giovanni Gallegos um, to to close, and he's got a wicked slider and a great fastball. Prototypical um, closer stuff, just like Jordan Hicks. Gallegos might not throw 102 like Hicks does, but he, he, he has shown the capability to get outs. Um, hides the ball real well, late break on the slider, everything you want to see. But Hicks, Gallegos, Reyes, and Cabrera, those four guys have the capability of being electric. And then when you move past that, you've got a couple of veteran left-handers and Adam Miller, or not Adam Miller, um, Andrew Miller, excuse me, and Tyler Webb, who aren't going to light up the radar gun, you know. um, uh, But they are going to um, definitely – get some outs for you. Tyler Webb has shown the ability to, to get outs and Andrew Miller has gotten outs pretty much his entire career. Um, obviously with some blips in the radar, obviously, but you've got guys that, like I said, aren't going to light up the radar um, or the, make the highlight reels like the other four I mentioned, but are going to get outs. You've got a guy like Jake Woodford, who um, isn't necessarily a highly touted prospect, but can do long relief or he can do um, start spot starts. He spot started a little bit last year. Up and down this this rotation, up and down, um, up and down this rotation in the bullpen, you are able to to see guys, at least in my eyes, that are going to be able to get outs. And I I am really excited. And you guys can all quote me on this. The, the locks on hosts that are here, um, you can all quote me on this. I'm really excited for this Cardinal pitching staff. I think this pitching staff can be really really good. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, they're not going to make any preseason top tens per se. They haven't, <laughs> both in the bullpen and on the mound. Um, but I think that th- this pitching staff has the capability to be really, really good. And I'm really, really excited for it. 
One last break before we finish up the locker room discussion. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, March Madness, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball being just around the corner. You can also bet on futures for baseball as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Be sure to use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We've been telling you about the best-tasting protein bar in the business for a while now. That is Built Bar. Built Bar is the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all its bars. And now it's time to find out which bar is best. It's time for Built Bar Madness. We've already got two bars into the Enticing 8 and Mint Brownie and Coconut Puff. Today's matchup, Salted Caramel versus Cookie Dough Chunk. My vote is for Cookie Dough Chunk. Also, when the Enticing 8 Cookies and Cream and Coconut Almond, head over to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to vote. Remember also to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. One question that's been answered that I've talked about a little bit already has been Tyler O'Neill. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, it is spring training and the regular season has to be played, but but that question in my mind definitely has been has been answered. Thank you, Ronald, uh, for saying you can hear. But Tyler, Tyler O'Neill has solidified himself not only as a starting left fielder, but as the starting left fielder um, who's going to produce. Um, and he, he is definitely going to 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 um, to be able to produce and has the capability of, of getting those results. But the biggest question mark to me is, is still the outfield because you've got the question of which Dylan Carlson are we going to get? Because in the, in the, before and when he first got called up, he mightily struggled against anything that wasn't a fastball. Change up. Um, curveball, slider, whatever it was, mightily struggled. And then when he, he got called back up, he was more aggressive, hit 278, had, I think, uh, eight or something extra base hits in, in eight or nine games, 11 RBI, just really impressive stuff. He, he showed who he was touted to be in the second half, uh, or this, his second call-up. So what's Dylan Carlson are we going to get, right? And so the outfield, that, that's why, to me, the outfield is still the biggest question, even with how impressive Tyler O'Neill has been. And this team didn't have a whole lot of doesn't have a whole lot of roster battles coming into spring. But one that is kind of intriguing is the the fourth and fifth outfield spots, because you've got three guys competing for one or two spots. Um, Oh, (laughs) sounds good. Sounds good, Brett. Uh, You've got Lane Thomas, Austin Dean um, and Justin Williams, three guys competing for at most two spots. You don't usually see teams carry more than five, five outfielders. It's not necessary. Um, but with, with, with those three guys, all three of them, in my opinion, should be making a major league roster. And, you know, that's just how the sports world works. Not everybody makes, makes a roster. Right. Um, but, but let's go through these, these three guys, for those of you who don't know, Lane Thomas, pretty similar, um, type of player to Harrison Bader, line drive hitter, some speed, a little bit of pop, 
um, in Thomas's case, a decent fielder, not not exceptional fielder like uh, Harrison Bader is. But this is a guy that that again impressed in 2019, struggling 2020. So he, he's kind of a, a step behind, if you will. And it's been made clear that Harrison Bader is going to be the starting center fielder. And even though Bader hasn't hit, and Lane Thomas has hit, it's still looking like Harrison Bader is going to be the starting center fielder. You move on to Austin Dean. They got him in a trade with Miami a number of years ago. Um, he, he's one of those guys that left field. He's also gotten some reps at first base. So you got to wonder, maybe Austin Dean gets gets on the roster as a backup first baseman. Um, and, and that would just be bizarre because Austin Dean has always been an outfielder. He's, he's been an outfielder in Miami, and he's always been gotten reps in the outfield with, with St. Louis. And then you look at Justin Williams, who, who's, who's the only lefty of this group that I'm mentioning. Um, he, he's more of a corner outfield spot and got a little bit of pop. So I think that the, the biggest question is, with all of these guys, O'Neal, Bader, Carlson, Thomas, um, I forget who I haven't mentioned, Williams, Dean, which, one of, which version of these players are you going to get? Because they've all shown at some course of their career who, who they could be. They've all shown that they could get results. It's just a matter of how how consistent are you going to be. And with all the, the options that the Cardinals have, you, you can't be uh, failing for too long before you're, you're not going to see too much playing time. Because everybody, all three guys who are going to start in the opening day, O'Neal, Bader, and Carlson, all three of them have somebody behind them that could produce better and could take their spot. Every single one of them. So it, it's really that, – that's why the Cardinals made the trade for, or to get rid of Dexter Fowler to free up outfield space for this very reason, to let their young outfielders compete. And it's just a matter of that. That's a big question mark for me. Um, Aaron Fackler says Nagowski has to make the opening day roster, right? You know, Aaron, it, it would be hard for me to say no, uh, just because Nagowski has has really, really impressed this spring. I mean, he, if you would have told me that John Nagowski was going to hit the first Cardinal home run of spring training, I would not have believed you, right? Um, but he hit the first home run and has continued to produce since that first home run. And, you know, in a, in a perfect world, Nagowski probably does and Carpenter probably doesn't. But at the same time, th- there's no way Matt Carpenter is not making this roster, right? No matter how poorly Carpenter has performed because he, he has the pedigree, Matt Carpenter is making the roster. So if, if you think, um, you know, let, 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 let's just say 13 is the number of, players that the Cardinals are going to carry, right? You've got the nine starters, O'Neal, Bader, Carlson, Arnado, DeYoung, Edmund, um, Goldschmidt, Yachty. Eight starters, rather, with the, without the pitcher. And then, you know, assuming they're taking 13 and 13, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I still believe that the Card- that they're doing 26-man rosters. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. So that, that's eight right there. You're going to have Andrew Kisner as the backup catcher. You're going to have Matt Carpenter as the backup u- utility infielder, Right. And then you move to the outfield, you're going to have Lane Thomas, some combination of Lane Thomas, Austin Dean, Justin Williams. So that's two. Um, so, so that's 12. So then, you know, maybe you threw throwing on John Agowski in there as the, the 13th guy. Maybe the Cardinals carry Austin Dean, all three outfielders, and call Austin Dean their backup first baseman. Or maybe they keep a guy like Edmundo Sosa as a backup utility infielder and then call Matt Carpenter their backup first baseman. Just because if you have Matt Carpenter um, on the roster and, and John Nagowski with all the other guys that I mentioned, then you don't really have a backup for Paul DeYoung without putting Carpenter in at second base and moving Edmund over to short. 
So there are a couple of different ways to configure the roster, to configure a lineup. But I really do think that um, Nagowski might be an odd man out. Um, you know, I would like to see John Nagowski make the opening day roster just because um, I, I would rather see, you know, Williams and Thomas in the outfield as the two extra outfielders. And then you have Nagowski as your backup first baseman, and then you keep Carpenter as a backup second baseman and third baseman, and you have Edmund there to play short. However, you have to ask yourself, and this this is something that, you know, kind of spitballing here, but are you comfortable with not really having a backup shortstop that's not a starter, right? Because then you're going to have – Edmund is really your only other person who can play short in that situation if you're not keeping Edmundo Sosa on the, on the roster or some other middle infielder on the roster. So it'll be interesting to see what Mike Schultz and his staff do, just with, just with the um, with, with the roster, because there there are going to be um, calls that they make that are going to be wrong. There are going to be calls they make that are going to be right, and some some of this stuff we won't know until the last day of the season or until July. But there there is definitely no question that 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 uh, Nagowski has impressed, and you know, for a team that didn't have a lot of camp battles, like I mentioned, especially on the infield, Nagowski he, he's given the Cardinals a good problem to have in terms of he's given the Cardinals somebody to – or something to think about in terms of, um, you know, what the what the roster is going to look like. Um, so th- that's my take on, on John Nagowski. I just think that um, he has very much impressed, and I would like to see him on the opening day roster um, for, for John Nagowski. But we're going to pivot back to pitching for a little bit because I, I did talk about uh, – I wanted to talk about Alex Reyes – um, and I didn't get, get the chance to Reyes um, is a guy, those of you who don't know, he struggled with injury in his past. He, he's been a highly touted prospect, all these things. And he felt like he, he's been a prospect for a long time, but Reyes ha- has really impressed this spring. He had his first little uh, hiccup this year. Um, and, or the, the tonight rather her first little hiccup was spring training tonight. And, um, but, but that said, he still has impressed. And he has a lot of Cardinal fans wanting him to be in the starting rotation. And I, I am probably closer to the starting rotation boat because he just has too good of a, too good of stuff to not be um, at, at some point in his career. It's just a matter of, is he built for the starting rotation? Um, I just think you, you've got to be careful in how you work Alex Reyes back. That's something that Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox have been very, very key on of how do we work Alex Reyes back at the correct pace. So the goal for Reyes right now is anywhere from 80 to 100 innings um, and gearing up to be a starter next season. Um, and again, that's a whole lot of what ifs, right? But with, with Alex Reyes, what you have is a guy that has closer type stuff. Like I mentioned, he's got great basketball, wipeout breaking ball. But because he's also a career starter, he's got other stuff in his repertoire, right? He, he's got that changeup. He's got that, that slider as well. He's got a couple different types of fastballs he can go to. But it's just a matter of what that, what that step, what that process looks like to get him to the starting rotation. And he is still going to be a lethal part of the, in the bullpen. It's not that he, he's not that kind of guy that he has to have all five pitches of his to be effective. He can have just two and still be pretty darn effective. We've seen that. He can have just the fastball and just the curveball to be extremely effective, right? It's just a matter of, um, of like I said, how do they work him back? And they're, they're working him back extremely slowly. So they're going to – I don't know if it's a hard cap at 100, but the goal has been set at anywhere from 80 to 100 pitches. Or <laughs> I'm sorry, 80 to 100 innings. 
And I think that, that, that that's an okay goal for me just with, you know, even with the injuries to Kim and Michaelis, like I mentioned, I don't think there's a huge rush to get um, Reyes back in the starting rotation. Maybe, you know, he, he takes Wainwright's spot after he retired, or, you know, assuming he retires after this year or Kim's spot after he leaves. Cause I don't see the Cardinals bringing KK Kim back after 2021. So th- there was really no point to rush Reyes back just for the sake of competition because there, there, there aren't, I mean, even with the injuries, there aren't really, there isn't really a spot open for Reyes right now in, in the starting rotation. I mean, yes, you can argue that he is better than a starter, but there's really not an open spot. So I, I am excited for what Alex Reyes can do in the bullpen. I really, really am. And I think that he is somebody that, that is just going to thrive in the bullpen for one more year. And then next season he, he can, or yeah, yeah. Next season, he can come and pitch a game as, as, as a starter and be effective there. And because he wasn't rushed back, he can be there longer. He, he can he's able to condition his body in a better way uh, after the experiences that he's learned from his injuries. Um, you know, and even though the goal is to start in his career, I think that he's content with not starting this year, and that he can he, he can just be in the bullpen this year and still be an effective part of the. Um, yeah, of the pitching staff, and I'm excited for for what he can do out of the bullpen because, like I mentioned, you've got a lot of good options in that bullpen of Cabrera, Hicks, Reyes, and uh, Gallegos. A lot of good options, even Reyes in there. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to hit on that w- with Alex Reyes um, before before I wrapped up, and um, I won't go too much more longer, but uh, too much longer rather. But there's one other person I wanted to talk about, and that is um, Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman. I feel like every Cardinal fan knows about him, that, 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 you know, he's a highly touted third base prospect, light tower power, all these things. And, and then the Cardinals trade for Nolan Arenado without giving up Gorman, which for some people didn't seem like it was going to be possible. It, it was going to be, if you're going to get Nolan Arenado, you're going to have to give up a guy like Gorman. You, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But <laughs> somehow, miraculously, the Cardinals did not have to give up Nolan Gorman to get Nolan Arenado. But that leads, begs the question of if Arenado is going to be here long term, long term is in four or five years, six years, then at some point in those four and the next four, five, six, seven years, I think with this one, his contract is Nolan Gorman is going to be major league ready. You can argue based on the results this spring that he might be major league ready now. But, you know, and, and Nolan Arenado is probably not going to take such a step back defensively that the DH is going to be an option because even though the right now the season will not start with the DH, I think the universal DH is on its way uh, to, to the National League, which is what it is. But Nolan Gorman has been taking reps at second base, if, if, you, if you didn't know that. And I think that um, he seems to have progressed well. He's turned a couple double plays. And bottom line as well is that he's hit. He had a double today. Uh, he had a double yesterday. He's, he's hitting the ball hard. He's doing the right things and making solid contact and all these things. And he, he, he is producing. And that, that's a really good thing for the Cardinals. That is a really, really good thing for the Cardinals if Nolan Gorman is able to produce because then, God forbid, you have an injury to a Nolan Gorman. You have an injury to a Tommy Edmund. Gorman, or to a Nolan Arnado, to a Tommy Edmund. Then you can bring up Nolan Gorman and, you know, assuming that he won't miss a beat. Because if Gorman is able to produce, then that's huge. That is just absolutely huge, and um, especially if he's able to transition over to second base. I mean, obviously, some decision at some point is going to be, have to be made about Tommy Edmund, about Paul DeYoung, in terms of long term, because Nolan Gorman probably has a higher upside than either one of those two. 
especially especially power wise. But um, once that decision is made, and if you were to go the Nolan Gorman route, um, then you probably have to choose between Edmund and DeYoung. If you're going to put Gorman at second, then you've got to choose if you want um, Edmund at your, as a your shortstop or Paul DeYoung. And again, that, that's a decision that we made at some point in the future. And I think that is a decision that will be made. But uh, again, Nolan Gorman showing the capability is one thing, but showing the desire to move positions to, to still have an opportunity to play for this organization, I think says a lot about him as a person. To be able to want to, to, to move to, to a new position and to do something that uh, that radical, I mean, it's never easy to learn a new position, no matter at what point your your career that you're in. Um, but I really do think that Arnaud, or I'm sorry, that, that Gorman um, has elevated his game just by being able to, to be at second base. Even if it's at some point he becomes a long-term third baseman, whether for some reason he gets traded or he does play third base for St. Louis, whatever it is, he is now more valuable in his career by being able to be playing second base. Right. So I think that that, that, that was huge for, for Gorman and that I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited uh, because you wouldn't think that Carpenter is going to meet his vesting option to get the at-bats he needs. Um, so, so you have to you'd have to think to yourself that Gorman is going to be on the opening day roster next season and that he's going to be, you know, part of the Cardinal success next season. And I probably think that he gets a little bit more seasoning at the triple A level this year uh, because this is still just spring training, like I mentioned. But I think that Nolan Gorman has shown us that he can produce and that he is who he says he is, right? That he, um, that, that he is worth the, the, the hype of, of the prospect hype that, that he's been getting. So uh, I, I didn't want to end this without talking about Nolan Gorman. I'm really excited about what he, he can do. Mm-hmm.